Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Hello, everyone. Today's a weird day for me. Hello, Ashley. Yes, I see you. <laughs> like, nice. I've just seen a giant wave from a young person over there. I know that guy! Like, um... Yes, hi. Today's a weird day, because um, the last time I was on this stage, I had hair. Like, and so now I'm bald, and I'm, I'm in this weird transition of like, just trying to find my feet of just navigating how to, to talk without hair. It's been a, it's been a weird ride. Um, and I thought I'd be over it by now, but I had all the young people on Friday just ask me like 20 questions about being bald when we gave them the opportunity to ask questions. And it was a bit weird, just like, I thought, I thought we were past this, guys, but clearly not. But anyway, we are doing a little bit of a series called Walking the Walk, and I get to just kind of introduce this today, and I was trying to think of just who has inspired me and just made me think, wow, what a good walk, what an inspirational walk, and you know what, we're kind of like in the wake of the Queen's death, and I think, man, she's an incredible lady, isn't she? Like, whether you're like a royalist and you're dedicated to the family, or whether you're not that interested in it, we can all kind of agree that she was fantastic. That there was no blemish, there was nothing that you could say about her that would actually, like, no one could question her integrity, no one could question her faithfulness. She was an incredible lady. And what blew me away was kind of, obviously, people had the opportunity to kind of queue up and get to meet her. Some people were queuing for 14 hours. And I was thinking, whoa. That's a long time. Like, that's a really long time. Like, we, we get fed up when we have to like, get, go to the airport for a couple of hours or two or three hours of trying to just get there. But actually, 14 hours is a really long time. And I was talking to a friend. I was thinking, who would you actually like, ha- like, queue up for to meet for 14 hours? And I was trying to think. I don't really know. Like, because I'm just trying to focus and process how long 14 hours really is. And the only people I could really think of that I could kind of sit in a queue and do nothing for, for 14 hours, is probably like a close friend or a close family member. Because those are the type of people that I get to walk life with, I get to see their journey, and I'd be so wowed and so inspired by their walk that actually, if I catch a glimpse of or become a little bit like them, I've done a really good job in life. And I feel like that's the same with the Queen. Like, if we could just be a little bit like the Queen, a little bit of her character, then we've done a good walk. And so I was wondering and thinking about whose walk just wows me in the Bible that I look at and think, they've lived a good life. Wow, they've done a really cracking job at doing the right things. If I could just be a little bit like them, then I've done a good job. And the one person that kept coming to mind for me was a man called Peter. Now, Peter, he was a cracking Christian. He did a great job. And a couple of things, this is his resume, right? This is a couple of things he did in his lifetime. The dude walked on water, which, put your hands up if you've walked up on water. None, I thought so. Like, he's incredibly done that. He's, whenever he preached, he had his first ever talk that he did to a group like this, over 3,000 people became Christians. I was like, that's flipping good. My goodness, like, the bar has been set high. When he was strapped for cash and he saw a person that asked him for some money, rather than give him some money, he decided just to pick him up and heal him so then he never had to ask for money again. Which, like, that is impressive. That is wow-worthy. And another time, 
when he was in prison, because people didn't like all the things he said, so he, sometimes he got thrown into prison. An angel swooped in, opened the doors, and somehow he walked out of there, free of charge and like confused as to how he got out of there, which is amazing. These are all cool and exciting stories about Peter. And his resume is really impressive. Like, it makes you think, if I could just be a little bit like this guy, I've done well. If I could be a little bit like him, then I've done a good job. But that's not why I love Peter. What I love about Peter the most is, although he sounds really impressive, and though he sounds like he's a really elite and I could never relate to him, he was a regular guy. He was just a normal bloke like me and you. Because like, his life wasn't always like that. It wasn't always crazy. And what I want to do today is I want to tell you a little bit of a story about how Peter went started on a little journey. On, well, not a little journey, a little step that ended up becoming a giant change and transformation of his life. Because Peter started out as a fisherman, which for us these days, it's be the equivalent of him working at the steelworks or be working at Tesco or be working at the Amazon warehouse. It wasn't an exciting job. It was just something you did, just something to pay the bills. And there's a story in a book called Luke. And so I haven't got time to go into it today, but it's, if you want to look at it, it's in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. And so there's a story about him, and he seems to be in trouble. We don't know specifically if he's in trouble, but he's going out fishing. And in those times, if he was going to catch a fish, you need to go out at night. And if money wasn't tight or if money wasn't an issue... He just kind of like, if he wasn't working, he'd give up quickly. But actually, he's there all night trying to fish. He's there from sundown to sun up, desperate to try and catch a fish. Which to me, that says that he needs money. I don't know what the issue is. Maybe he's got debt. Maybe he's just trying to put some food on the table. Maybe something is just, maybe he's trying to pay his rent. I don't know what the issue is, but something is not right because he's trying to fish all night. And so he's there. And the, the annoying thing about this story is he gets nowhere. He's fishing all night and gets nothing. I can't imagine how frustrating that is because he's there, and I'm just trying to picture it. You throw a net, you pull it back in, nothing. Eight hours of dedication for that. Does anyone work night shifts? Anyone work night shifts? How bad is it? Like, night shifts are tough, but they're even worse when things go wrong or it doesn't go to plan. I don't know how you keep, like, the discipline. I don't know how you keep the patience because that's a frustrating time. And Peter is going through the frustration of getting nowhere very fast to the point the sun is up. There's no point now trying to fish because the fish can see the net and so they try and escape that way. And so there's really no point. So they're, they're packing it in. And then as he's sorting it all out, there is this rabbi, this teacher, this educator. He's come around and there's loads of people following him. And he's a little bit confused as to why this is happening. But he's there and the, the teacher, he comes along and says, hey, can I borrow your boat? Because the boat, it's like, it's made of wood, it's got good acoustics, it's like a little mini stage, it'll just help me talk to people. And he says, yeah, but flipping it, right? Talk about an easy way to get someone into church. Like, what's he going to do, right? He's borrowing his boat. He can't just leave the boat. He kind of has to stay now, even after his night shift. And he's like, because otherwise, what's going to happen? Someone's probably going to nick his boat. Like, so he has to stay there to make sure to, that his boat is safe. And so he's, having to, he's been forced into church. Oh, I know how that feels. Oh, my goodness. But 
that's literally how I got on this stage, you know. But, but, but he's there. He's being polite. He's borrowed the boat. And we don't really know what the, what, what the guy is teaching about, what Jesus is talking about. And part of me thinks maybe that's because he's distracted. Like, because he's, he's had a bad night. Like, he's caught no fish. That means no money, which means he's probably thinking, how do I pay for my rent? How do I put food on the table? What's my wife going to think of? Like, he's just distracted. Has anyone ever been distracted in church? Like, you come here with all the good intentions, right, to sit and listen to whoever's talking. And then it's just like, you, you want, your mind wanders. And you just like, you just start thinking and you start pondering. Or maybe like you, just, you get a text and then... Usually, if I ever get a text, it's usually something I have to do or it's a problem. Like, it's never just like, like a fun text. And so then my brain just starts racking. It just starts thinking, oh, how do I do this? How do I, how do I deal with this problem? Or how do I pay for rent? Because even like, life right now is a bit chaotic. It's a little bit crazy. It's a little bit all over the place. And Peter was distracted. So maybe some of you feel a little bit distracted today just because of just stuff going on. Because life can get complicated. Life can get messy, and life can just be filled with problems that we don't really know how to fix sometimes. And so we don't know what happened in this story in terms of the teaching. We don't know the information. It could have been the most greatest pearls of wisdom in the world, or it could have just been some random just like parable or story that just sounded neat at the time. I don't know. I have no idea. Like, but then we have this moment. They finish the story. Peter's, uh, Jesus is wrapping up. He's finishing what he's talking about, and he can, I guess he just assumes that he can see that Peter is troubled about stuff or he's worried because he goes over to them and he tries to give them a bit of advice, a little bit of a pep talk. And he says to him, I've noticed you've not caught any fish. Have you tried throwing the net in the deep end? What? Hold on. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Like, he's asking him, Jesus, right? This teacher guy, this guy who doesn't really have any fishing experience is going over to Peter who has spent all his life teaching and fishing. Well, not teaching, fishing. And he says to him, have you tried throwing it in the deep end? Like, it makes no sense. It's stupid, right? It makes no sense. I'd be so frustrated. I'd be so annoyed. You know, that's like me who, to be honest, I have no practical skills. Like, there was a time when I, Russ would ask me to do a lot of practical jobs at this place. Now he don't ask me anymore for a very good reason. <laughs> like, like, it's like me going to someone like Graham, who is the original Bob the Builder, and just trying to give him tips, trying to give him some advice. Like, I can't even think of an example. That's how bad I am at practical stuff. Like, and he's me going over to him and saying, hey, here's some advice for building. Are you kidding me? It's ridiculous. It's so stupid. I don't know how Peter was feeling. I'd be frustrated because I'd be tired as well. Night shifts, <sighs> you lose your patience on them. And so someone coming over who doesn't really have experience is telling you, hey, why don't you just throw it in the deep end? It might work, maybe. But if you did know, if you was a professional Jesus, you would know that the fish would see the net during the day and so you wouldn't actually go. But this is what Peter does. He's a polite gentleman. And he says, okay. I'll give it a go. I wonder if there was sarcasm, you know, just so he could just go like, see, good job, mate. That was great. You did a wonderful job. Um, but he does it, and he gives it a go. I said, okay, I'll go fish in the deep end. Good idea. And he does this, and then all of a sudden, he sat there. Then all of a sudden, the boat starts to creak. The nets begin to strain, and the boat starts rocking, and he's confused. What? Eh? 
what's going on? And he looks, and all of a sudden, hundreds of fish are now in this net. To the point where there's that many fish, the boat is starting to give way. And he has to call his buddies over in another boat to try and get this net of fish in. And he's stunned. It makes no sense. This teacher guy who gave not really great advice about fishing has given him the greatest advice about fishing. And he's there. And he's got more fish than he has in his entire lifetime. And he's stunned. It's a miracle. It makes no logical sense. But here he is with a boat filled with fish. His greatest problem has been fixed. All the worries, all the strife, all the issues that he had are completely gone just from this one moment with Jesus. It's wild. It's crazy. And what I learn from this little bit of the story is simply this. You could be fighting the same battle countless times, but it takes one word from Jesus and it changes everything. It changes everything. And I don't know what your struggle is right now. I know this is a time and a season where a lot of things are difficult right now. Maybe it's something internal within you. Maybe you're struggling with a mindset. Maybe you're struggling with anxiety or depression. Or maybe you're struggling with an addiction of some kind. Maybe you're struggling with a physical ailment. I don't know what it might be. But one thing I do know is if we go to Jesus, one word from Jesus is able to change everything. One word from Jesus is able to change that situation to be something that no matter how much you have been striving, it can change it in an instant. But back to the story. See, Peter is now in this situation where he's, he's been with, with Jesus, he's listened to him and he's had this moment and it's all a bit awkward and he realizes there's something different about Jesus. He's, he's not just a regular teacher, he's... He's got skills. Like, he knows what he's doing. He can, like, he's, he's very good at what he can do. And he, he's, he's quite brutally honest with, with Jesus. And he says to him, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He recognizes there's something holy or something powerful about Jesus. He's like, Jesus, I'm a mess. Jesus, I'm dysfunctional. Jesus, I make mistakes. Jesus, <laughs> I'm not worth your time. I've got issues. And what I love in this story is because this is how I think it would go, but it doesn't go like this. Jesus doesn't come over to him and he says, now sort your life out. He doesn't say it. He doesn't say it. But we think that that's what Jesus would say, that if he's met with a person that is broken or dysfunctional, he doesn't say, sort your life out. He doesn't say, get it together and then we'll, we'll, then we'll catch up over coffee. He doesn't say, when you have got it all together, then we'll be good. Now he says this, and it's simply this. He says a quirky fishing metaphor, because he's a fisherman. And he says this, from now on, you're going to catch men. You're going to catch people. What does he mean by that? It simply means this. Hey, follow me. I got some stuff to do. I got some things that I've got to take care of while I'm doing down, while I'm down here. I got to change this world and I want you to help me. It makes no sense. But this is what I love about Jesus is his primary goal isn't to fix you, but to have a relationship with you. 
Like he doesn't care about the stuff because he's going to deal with the stuff another day. But actually, he cares more about who you are. He cares more. Not, he doesn't care about your sin and what you have done. He cares about who you are and what God says you are because you are a son and daughter of God. He cares more about who you are, not what the stuff is in your life. And what I love is that even if you never changed your ways, Jesus would still love you. Even if you never had a dramatic moment where it's like, I'm going to change my life and I'm going to turn in the completely other direction. Even if that never happened, he'd still love you. You are not a project that he's trying to fix. You are someone that he loves. You are someone that he likes. You are someone that he wants to spend time with because he cares about you. He's madly in love with you and he will do whatever it takes to try and get you to be with him. And here's the thing. If you spend time with Jesus... Odds are you're going to change, not because that's the goal, but because when you spend time with people you love, by default, you become more like them. By default, you become a little bit more like that person. Because whether you are married to someone or have close friends, you become more and more like them. And it's the same with Jesus. When you walk with him, you'll start to become a little bit more like him. You'll see how he deals with things and see how he navigates life. And you'll think, that was a good way of doing that. That was great. And you know what? I want to be a little bit more like that. And so Peter is kind of in this place, this awkward situation of, of acceptance, of, of being so welcomed despite his dysfunctions, despite his sin. And Jesus said, hey, come follow me. Hey, come follow me. And it kind of, it kind of blows my mind, really, because he goes with him, which is a little weird for me because he's just had this radical moment where he's got 100 fish in his boat. That's life-changing money during them times. He could like start a business. He could start his own empire. If he has any debt, it's all gone. He could probably afford to pay for his entire house. It's all good. The dream has been happened. He's got everything he needs, but yet he chooses to scrap that and go and follow Jesus. What? Why? For me, I struggle with it because it's like, it's such a radical change. It's such a radical change of direction. But I guess this is what's weird or what, what I've learned about it. Because it's not just Peter. It's the other boys, that everyone else that is with him decide, we want to do this too. And I guess it's the simple point of that they understood that the greatest miracle in their lives could not compare to the presence of Jesus. The greatest thing, the thing that they hoped for in their life would have been useless without Jesus. Even if they had everything, even if they had the empire, and if they had all the stuff, if Jesus wasn't with them, they thought it wasn't worth it. Which is a wild thought. There's something about Jesus that makes people give up their lives. There's something about Jesus that makes them want to scrap everything of their hopes and aspirations to go and follow him. There's something about Jesus that makes people want to follow him. And that's what I love about today of being a baptism Sunday is because it's a time and a place where people who have met Jesus and they thought, I was once going this way in life, but then I met Jesus and now I want to go this way in life. It's a beautiful picture. And that's, what, and that's the exact same moment that Peter had. And so I'm going to wrap up in a second. So if you could just bow your heads, that would be great for me. If the band want to come back up, they can. There's nothing spiritual about this. This is just to help us focus on What's going on next? And so Peter, he had his snapshot moment with Jesus. It was a moment of breakthrough. 
and he got everything he needed. Every trouble, every problem he had was sorted in one moment with Jesus. He had a moment where Jesus, where he said, I'm a mess. And Jesus saw him beyond the mess. He loved him and he liked him. And to the point where Jesus was so incredible, so inspirational, so so beautiful that Peter wanted to give up everything to follow him. To push through every worry, every insecurity, every doubt and every, every uncertainty to try and know this man. And he goes for it. And it's a wild time. I said at the beginning of a few of the things that Peter had done where he walked on water, he changed lives, he broke out of prison. Like That sounds like a crazy life to me. But that was a simple question of, hey, follow me. And so I want to ask you one question today. Do you know this Jesus that I've spoken about? Do you know him? Or have you heard of what other people have said? Have you heard of the religiousness of Jesus? Or have you heard of this Jesus of, that is, is very judgmental and is very unforgiving? That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus at all. Jesus is the one who sees you for who you are and says, I love you. I'm for you. I want to be there in the good times and the bad, in the joy and in the sadness, in the celebrations and the despair. I love you in all of those moments. Do you know this Jesus? Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.